For many, the notion of Canada's war dead is an abstract concept of tens of thousands of lives lost to history. But behind the numbers are stories of people who gave their lives in our country's name and to mark Remembrance Day, journalists in Ottawa will try to provide a picture of the life of one of the nearly 120,000 Canadian war dead. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Ottawa Citizen reporter Andrew Duffy joins me to discuss how the We Are The Dead project came to be, how they'll set out to tell the story of one fallen soldier, and why retelling these stories is so important. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, even Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Andrew, for the 12th year, the Ottawa Citizen will mark Remembrance Day by partaking in what's called the We Are the Dead project. For those who are unfamiliar, maybe not regular Ottawa Citizen readers, what is We Are the Dead? Yeah, so it's an annual project we do. It's it's a one-day effort. And um, what happens, a name is generated by um, an automated Twitter bot from the long list of Canadian war dead. And the name that's that's generated at 11.11 becomes our subject. And we spend the entire day trying to find out as much as humanly possible as we can about that soldier and produce a story by the end of the day. Okay. It sounds like a really involved project. Um, before we kind of talk about the nuts and bolts of how that works, what was the motivation behind creating this style of journalism focused on one of Canada's war dead? Well, it wasn't my idea. It was it was uh, all the product of a friend of mine, a former colleague named Glenn McGregor. He's now um, with CTV National News. And back in 2011, it was Glenn's idea to create this Twitter bot that generated the names of all of Canada's 119,000 war dead, one every hour. And so he figured out it would take about 13 or 14 years for all of those names to be generated one hour at a time. And it was his idea to honor one of Canada's war dead by producing a feature about that individual on Remembrance Day. And that, that's really how it started. And it was something that is built every year, I think. For those who are unfamiliar, how does it, how does it work? So the, the, the Twitter bot spits out a name and on Remembrance Day, you'll take the name that, that arrives at 1111. And then where does the newsroom go from there? Well, so that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's always a bit of a panic because, you know, we don't start our work until 1111 when that name is issued. And all we know at that time is the name and the regiment. And so, you know, that's really when our work starts. And and we've kind of systematized it over the years. So, you know, there's really sort of three or four main angles that we try to develop. And so, so I'll go to the military files. And, you know, Library and Archives Canada has digitized all its military files. So all the service records of people who died in World War One and World War Two are now available online. That's the first place I go. And, you know, from the military records, you kind of, it depends. Some of them are, are, are very Spartan. You know, sometimes in the First World War, the military record will only be two pages. It'll be an attestation paper, and you'll get the guy's name and, and his next of kin and where he's from. But then, you know, in the Second World War, some of those military files are much more robust. And particularly if it's a, uh, an airman, uh, they tend to have really rich uh, personnel files. And so that's kind of my job is to look at the military files. And then one of my colleagues, Blair Crawford, concentrates on uh, the regimental war diaries. And so especially in the First World War, a lot of times we won't know a lot about the personal history of the individual. 
And so what we at least try to do is tell the story of their death and what was going on in the regiment at the time that they died. You know, because a lot of times with First World War soldiers, if they died at the Somme or at Ypres, you know, some some really large battle, there'll be very little information in the war file or in the personnel files. And so we rely on the war diaries to kind of understand what was going on in the regiment on the day that they were killed. And so that's sort of another avenue. And then the other sort of big enterprise is genealogical. So one of our end goals is to find a picture of the individual. And, and of course, we're dealing with, you know, people who died um, usually, you know, 70, 100 years ago. So pictures can be difficult to find. That's often sort of the most difficult part of the day. And that's where genealogy comes in. And so we have someone that concentrates on Ancestry.com trying to build out the uh, family trees of the individual so that we can track down living relatives. And then, and then lastly, we have someone who's crowdsourcing for us because, you know, there's a community of people that have come to help us out annually with this story. And some of them are incredibly good at genealogy. And so we have a person who reaches out online to that, to that community helping us build out the genealogy. And what about people on, on social media who may be following the Ottawa citizen who may have an interest in this? Are they able to take part or help out? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's sort of fundamental to the whole project is crowdsourcing. And so, you know, we can understand the, the basic narrative of a soldier's life relatively quickly. But what's really difficult, uh, you know, especially with the First World War soldiers, is finding living relatives. You know, because you think most of these guys, you know, if they died in the First World War, they were born in the late 1800s. And, you know, some of them, because they were so young, didn't have children. So it means that we have to find, usually, you know, if their brothers and sisters had children, then we try to find living relatives from those brothers and sisters. And so the, so the genealogy is quite difficult. And that's really where the crowdsourcing helps us, you know, because there are some people that are just fantastically skilled at that online. And, and that really has been kind of the secret sauce to this whole project is is getting those people involved online that help us track down living relatives. We'll be right back. Now, obviously you're working against a time clock considering that, you know, we're daily newspapers. You're trying to get a story put together by the end of the day, especially considering it's Remembrance Day, it's quite timely. How long does it usually take to get an idea of the life of, of one of the soldiers that that you're profiling? Yeah, I mean, it's always a bit of a panic. Um, it really all depends on the soldier that we're, that we're studying. So, you know, we've had a couple of Second World War uh, airmen, and and... Their cases are relatively easy because the, the files are so rich and they're readily available online. Um, you know, they often have pictures in there. You know, there's often uh, investigations into the nature of their deaths. There's letters between, uh, you know, their next of kin and, and their commanding officers. So the, in those cases, relatively quickly, we can develop a, a pretty uh, fulsome profile. But when it comes to the World War One guys, it's much different, and and a lot depends 
on the genealogy because it's oftentimes only through uh, the families, the descendants, um, that we really come to understand more about their lives. So that in those cases, it can take you know four, five, six, seven hours of really hard work to try to connect with relatives. You know, and I mean, I remember with this one guy we did. I don't know who's you know, I think it was the second or third year that I was involved. It was a First World War uh, soldier by the name of George Jameson. And, and of course, it's always more difficult when the last name is common. And Jameson was one of those common names. So there's a lot of Jamesons out there. It complicates the genealogy. You know, and there's a lot of Jameson. He was from England. He was born in England. He came here as, you know, a teenager. And so he had no footprint in Canada. And all of his footprint was back in in England, and it was really only through, you know, one of the, the people who helped us out online that we were ever able to connect with his family, and it was very late in the day, and they're the ones who ultimately supplied us with a lot of information and pictures. I Looking back over the, the previous 11 iterations of this, you know, you mentioned some airmen, you mentioned First World War soldiers, like what kind of people are we telling stories about here? Like who who are these these soldiers who are Canada's war dead that you've been able to honor through this process? So I guess out of the 11 we've done, um, seven have been first world war soldiers, four have been from the second world war. And that in general kind of uh, reflects the, the statistics in terms of our war dead between the first world war and the second world war. We had more Canadians died in the first world war than the second world war. You know, they tend to be, the people we've profiled are, are all small town boys. Uh, I think everyone that we, we've profiled has been from a small town. You know, the First World War soldiers almost all tend to be farmers, you know, laborers. They're people with modest footprints, you know, in terms of what they left behind. So, you know, it makes the work difficult. And of course, you can't, you know, Google names from the First World War and come up with anything. And so it, it really demands, you know, that, that you find their relatives. That's why the genealogy is so important. When you look at some of the sources, you mentioned genealogy, war diaries, military service records. Are, you know, are there any other kind of unique or interesting sources that you're pulling from? Are we, you know, are you able to access census records, things of that nature? Or, you know, what, what other kind of, kind of places have you been able to, to glean information from about these soldiers? Well, you know, it, it really, this wouldn't have been possible 20 years ago, in all honesty, because it's only now, because everything is, Library and Archives puts things online now, the, the war diaries are online now, the military files are online now. But then there's a few other sources we always go to, like the Canadian Virtual War Museum uh, has a listing for all of Canada's war dead, so you can always find their grave, you know, where they're from. Old newspapers are really important for us. So, you know, there's a lot of old newspapers that have been digitized. So newspapers.com is a really important source for us because a lot of times small town, almost always, as I say, these guys are from small towns. And so small town newspapers will often write about their war dead at the time of the death. And obituaries are really important for us to help with the genealogy. So, you know, we really rely on on old newspapers for those obits because it helps us build out the family and the genealogy. And Ancestry.com is also, you know, really, really helpful for us. This has been going on for a number of years now. What has the public reaction been to this project? 
Well, I mean, it's been interesting to watch because it's 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 really built every year. You know, I, I think in the in the early years, I don't think it was clear to readers what we were doing. But each year, the engagement has been such that, you know, I think it's now well understood and we have like a community of people that helps us every year. And it really, I think, is something that that has become an important way in this city, you know, to to celebrate a soldier. What do you like most about it as someone who's writing these stories and, and doing research? And what, what do you what do you feel you get out of it? You know, I, I love the teamwork involved, um, the sleuthing, you know, it's it's really is an incredible team effort. But the other thing I really love is that, you know, you you feel every year like you're bringing a forgotten story to light. You know, it's it's always a story of sacrifice. And it's, you know, it's something that's been forgotten that, that we're able to turn a spotlight on. And, and that always feels good every year. Mm-hmm. Is, is that why you feel it's important? Like, I know that journalists like to talk about the work that they do as as a public service in in kind of shining a light on things that a light needs to be shone on. But when it comes to telling a historical story, is it is it trying to unearth things that may have been forgotten and allow people to re-experience history or to remind people of the history around Remembrance Day and the sacrifice that people made? I think it's it's about humanizing it. You know, like we sort of talk about the war dead you know, as this monolithic group, you know, 119,000 Canadians. And and a lot of us, you know, don't know someone personally who died in the Second World War, of course, not the First World War. This is a way to, to personalize that sacrifice. Like that's that's to me the thing that feels important about it, is that you're, you're bringing to life one of these nameless, faceless soldiers, and you're telling their full story as a human being and, you know, about their family, about their lives, about their jobs, about, you know, their ambitions, what, you know, where they went to school. And it just brings these people to life. That's, that to me is the important thing. And with, you know, more than 119,000 war dead from Canada, this is a story that you could be telling year after year for a long time. Yeah, no, it's absolutely right. I mean, the, the first iteration of the Twitter bot is supposed to finish in 2024. So that's when all of the 119,000 names will have been completed. You know, we'll have to decide at that point whether or not just to to start the Twitter bot all over again, because, you know, there is no end of stories to be told about Canada's war debt. Mm-hmm. So for people who are looking to read this coverage, read past stories, or follow along on Remembrance Day, it's ottawacitizen.com and on Twitter at ottawacitizen, that's correct? That's correct, yeah. Well, Andrew, it's a fascinating project. It's something that I look forward to reading every year. Um, can't wait to see what your research digs up this year. Thanks very much for having me. Ten Three is produced by Tyler Dawson, theme music by Bryce Hall, Thanks to my guest, Andrew Duffy. More from him at OttawaCitizen.com. And you can follow the We Are The Dead Project on Twitter at OttawaCitizen. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.